from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Welcome into the Sunday Side Session. I am Mike Schaefer, and this week joined by Michael Severe as we break down whatever the hell that was from Nebraska <laughs> in East Lansing, a, uh, a performance that ranks up there amongst the worst of the season. Um, you know, Michael, I, I'm going to start with special teams because I know everyone wants to talk about Heinrich Harburg, and it was not a good day for Heinrich Harburg. But I feel like Nebraska largely lost this game with whatever its special teams play and strategy was coming into the day. I don't, I don't understand personally activating Billy Kemp to play, sticking him in as your punt returner, never allowing him to return punts, even if there's 20 yards of space in front of him. Uh, so there's that. I don't understand Billy Kemp twice fair catching the ball inside the eight yard line. I've always been a proponent of you stand at the 10 if you take two, if you take more than two steps back, you let it go. You pick up somebody to block along the way. I don't understand why Brian Buscini is incapable of playing two good games in a row. Uh, his average, it, excuse me, his long yesterday, or yeah, you know, if this gets posted Saturday night. His long for the game, forty-five yards. Michigan State's mm-hmm. average, forty-seven point eight. All of these things combined on special teams allowed Michigan State to sit on top of Nebraska's offense the entire second half, just basically daring the Huskers to be able to make a throw downfield, which they could not do for the most part. Uh, I really felt like whatever Nebraska intended to do in its punting game, especially the punt return, backfired in a massive way on Saturday. So I want to start there, and then I promise we will work into the, you know, the Heinrich Harburg discussion and everything else that's coming. Well, well, two things. Um, one, in terms of the punt game, um, I moved it to the eight now. I say the eight-yard line because we added all these Australian punters in, and they're so good at pinning the ball now with that backspin. So I say the eight-yard line now. You sit at the eight. If it's over your head, you let it go. Uh, another part about that is by the way they worked, they end up losing, I think, over the whole course of the game, seven or eight yards of field position, average field position. When it's that close to a first down, you're usually going to have some trouble um, just being able to win the game. Um, but overall, the Billy Kemp thing, I, I can't I can't explain it anyway. If his knee is too bad for him to be able to return punts, there's no reason for him to be in the game. You know, I've, I'm a fan of Ethan Nation. We had a chance to see Ethan Nation way back when he let us come to practice, return a couple of kicks. And I thought, wow, this kid could be electric with his burst. He had one chance to do it today, ends up getting tripped up and his knee goes down. But you got to put somebody back there that can give you the chance of being able to make a big play on special teams, especially when your offense is as bad as it is. Bushini, I don't get because if you watch Michigan State in the first quarter, obviously they had the wind to their back because their punter hit two really booming punts. One of them, I'm sure, was 55 yards. I don't know what the other one was. And then you go to the second quarter. Now all of a sudden Bushini has the ball with the wind to his back, and he punts it like 38 yards. So I, I didn't understand that at all, what, what his problem was, why he was struggling. But I agree with you. A big reason why they lost this game was pure special teams. You have to be able to, when you exchange, especially in a game like this in the Big Ten West, and you're going to be exchanging three and outs or exchanging deep um, drive that don't score, 
you've got to win the field position battle. And they weren't going to win that by not returning punts and by having a punter who didn't perform well. Yeah. I, I don't even think there was wind uh, today. I mean, I know looking at the weather yesterday ahead, the wind was going to be at two miles per hour at kickoff. Mm. And I didn't, mm. I didn't look today. And I just, I legitimately just don't know if Brian Buscini is not healthy from when he took a hit earlier in the year. Uh, I mean, he did have a big punt last week with the wind. Yep. Um, so I, I, you know, it's capable, but it's, it feels like for a guy that I would have thought would have a fringe chance of trying out for NFL teams at the end of his college career. I, I just don't even know if he could play in the USFL right now. Like, I mean, it, it honestly, and I don't want to spend too much time picking on the punter because there's a million other things going on, but I'm right. just baffled. He, it, he seemed so good last year and it feels like to the extent of what he can do is kick a 35 yard punt when you're at the 50 to, to pin him at the 15. Like Nebraska doesn't even get punts inside the five yard line like their contemporaries in the Big Ten. Like they're you know they're losing ten yards of field position in in that regard. Um, so the, I just the, I, I don't get it. I really don't. Here's the bottom line. Um, I believe this is the case, and this is something that Matt Rule would say as well. You've got to be as good as your counterpart, right? So if you're a field goal kicker, you've got to make as many field goals or be as good as the guy on the other team. If you're a punter, you got to be just as good as the other punter. And he was not anywhere near as good as the other. Matter of fact, he hurts you. So losing that individual battle is a huge part of the game. But here's the thing. He had one punt where I think he pinned him at the 12 or something like that. And someone tweeted out, oh, he pins him at the 12. And I thought to myself, in that situation, that ball should have been closer to the five-yard line if he was doing his job. And whatever happened to trying to kick the corner – Towards the corner. I, I watch them in practice doing it. They try to pin it all the time and get the ball to bounce around the 10 and go out of bounds before the pylon. What happened to that? They're not doing that anymore. So I, I don't I don't understand what's happening with special teams when it comes to both Brian Machine and certainly not returning punts. Yeah, and then to, to add to what you're saying about the 12, I mean, we saw earlier this year you had the perfect punt where it just drops right to Phelan Stanford. I mean, those punts that we're talking about, they're they're punting from about midfield. You're expecting right. your gunners to be down there if they're not catching the ball. And you're giving them the opportunity to down them inside, you know, the 12 yard line. So I just, I, I find myself baffled week to week by the special teams because last week it was outstanding. And Buscini himself was pretty good for the most part. But, yeah. and then this week, you know, between the punt returns and, and the punt game, really, really not good. Again, by far, far, yeah. far, far from the only thing that went wrong for Nebraska today. But it, yeah, it let me say that one me because it, it felt like that was, just poor strategy from the very, yeah. very beginning. And then they never changed until the last punt. You know, you're basically putting it out there as a Hail Mary on a punt return. Like that's what that was when they put Ethan Nation. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was, it was from the 46 yard line, right? The Nebraska 46 yard, the Michigan state 46 yard line. And he punted it to the 14. So it was only a 32 yard punt. Horrible. So if you're going to punt from there, yeah, you got to put it inside the 10 at a minimum. If you're a big 10 punter, you have to, but you're right about everything else. here. Everyone else does. I mean, you watch all these other teams. Like if you are playing in this conference, you have to have a good punter because everyone yeah. else that you play does. And it affects how you can play football in conference games. And, you know, I, I can't believe we're talking about Brian Buscini, right? <laughs> in November <laughs> we are. Um, yeah. All right, we'll move. We'll move off of that because I I feel like most people aren't as interested in that conversation as they are in the next one, which is how did you feel about what Nebraska was attempting to do on offense? 
throughout the game against the Michigan State team that really had a lot of safeties coming downhill uh, and were just daring you to throw it deep. Yeah, it was the thing I was scared of most. Um, the last thing you want, uh, and we see this quite a bit, used to be a different way for Nebraska, but we've seen this before now. So you have either the worst or the second worst pass defense in all the Big Ten. Most of the stats, they're last. There's one stat where they're 13th. But Nebraska is probably next to Northwestern and Iowa, and maybe just Iowa now, the worst passing offense. And so when the thing you do worse is the thing that you, is the other team does worse as well. I, I, don't, I never know who's going to win that. And I really hoped that, to be honest, they just threw the ball up today. I, I just hope that there'd be times where he would just throw it up and allow a Malachi Coleman or somebody else to make a play. Now, he had the one where he threw it up to the inside and the safety standing back there when he's got Bullock wide open. I don't know what happened to that. But I didn't think they were going to be able to win the game on the ground because the one thing that Michigan State's defense has done well this year, they were six or seven, depending on the stats you're looking at in terms of rush defense. So I thought maybe Nebraska would struggle a little bit running the ball, but I thought they could have big plays through the passing game. And as we watched, there were guys wide open. Um, he missed. There was once where there was a double post. So Doss was on the near side of the camera and Malachi Coleman was on the far side. The safety was over on Malachi Coleman's side. He tried to throw that ball in there. Doss is running free across the middle. Maybe he scores. Earlier in the game, exact opposite happens. Malachi Coleman is wide open going across the middle, probably catches it and scores. He tries to throw it to the backside to either Doss or Jalen Lloyd. I can't remember which one it was. But he just doesn't see the ball well enough to be a quarterback in the Big Ten. He just doesn't. He does a lot of things great. Tough kid, one of the toughest kids I've ever seen at Nebraska. But he doesn't throw the ball well enough. And sometimes your offense needs a guy who can just make a throw. And that's not what he can do. Yeah. And, I mean, the the whole reason you're still rolling with him was just what we saw in that 40-some yard run. Uh, yeah. That's up the touchdown. I mean, I just don't – I don't know – and we haven't seen it from Jeff Sims since September. I don't know that he's healthy enough that he can run and use his legs in that way. I don't know if they trust him in this regard anymore. I don't think I, I I'm not going to say, I don't think I know Chubba Purdy doesn't give you any sort of plus on offense. So you're right. banking on Harburg's legs and your defense to get you another win this year. And it, the recipe did not work on Saturday. It just simply did not. And uh, whether it was, you know, the misthrows, uh, you had the one, he, he finally puts a ball down, he puts it on the money, and he mm -hmm. basically just drills Alex Bullock in the chest <laughs> on third did. down, and he could not catch it. And we watched yeah. him make a sprawling catch later in the game, and you're just thinking to yourself, man, you know, if you yeah. could just sustain those drops, like those third down drops hurt even worse than any other kind of drop. Uh, so, you know, there's that. I thought the offensive line was pretty terrible in pass protection at times. Teddy Perhoska got absolutely worked. Justin Evans Jenkins early in the game. He struggled. Um, yeah. You know, and then Harburg himself doesn't throw the ball away, which then leads to some of these sacks too. So it's not all on them, but collectively, whether it was a few drops from receivers, and there wasn't as many today. I, I will absolutely mm -hmm. say that. Um, or the offensive line or Harburg himself. I mean, it just was – it shows you why Nebraska cannot play from behind against both teams. I mean, it it felt collectively everyone thought the same thing. When it went to 20 and twenty to 10, even with six minutes left in a team like Michigan State, that, as you said, one of the worst pass defenses out there, you just did not have any confidence that they could go down and score. You know, you, you asked me something during the game on Twitter about Nebraska catching the ball inside the 10 um, when punts, and I said it's something that goes back to 2005. One of the weird thing is, 
it doesn't go back that far, but it goes back to at least 2009 or 2010. I don't understand what the turnover problems are. So right now, Harburg, I think I have this number right, has 11 total turnovers. I think that's right after today because they, they counted that as a fumble at the end of the game when it really was a, a pass that was batted out of his hand. But they're going to give him a fumble for that. So I think he has 11 total turnovers. Your starting quarterback cannot have 11 total, total turnovers. And, it, and now it's a mixture. I think now he has six interceptions along with six lost I think he's 12 now, so six lost yeah. fumbles too. So you're talking about you're talking about losing 12 possessions, right? Over the course of nine games, losing 12 possessions. That's completely unacceptable. And and then you combine that with he can't make a lot of big plays with his arm because we all we've talked about it before, the way he drops his elbow at times and it, it makes it difficult. And I think he's only comfortable throwing to one guy. I think only Thomas Fedoni is a guy that he has comfort throwing to. Everybody else, I think he struggles either having confidence in them or being able to make the throw to them. But Thomas seems like the only guy that he really feels comfortable throwing the ball to at this point. Yeah, I'm not a schematics guy, but they hit what felt like a very similar route between Coleman and Fedoni twice for big yardage today, up the slot, or excuse me, up the seam. Seam, I I don't know if that was because of how they had their safeties playing. I'm not sure what that was, but it feels like that could have been there for more of the day than just the two, three. You know, it didn't feel like they ever went back to that with Fedoni after they picked up 27 yards, I think, the first time with it. No, I'm not. It's obviously, surprising to me. Yeah. Neither one of us obviously were at that game. So it's hard to see an all 22 because of the way they shoot it on TV. But there were times where I thought they were playing man free. Um, I thought they had a guy that was just back in the outfield, right, who was down deep. And what they were doing is that everywhere else they were playing man. And he was by himself. He was a zone guy, the one zone guy. That's what I thought they were doing. And I think you do that because you know, you have a quarterback that doesn't get rid of it quickly. So if you're in man, he's going to have time sometimes getting the ball of people. Plus you have a guy too, that floats the ball. The ball just always goes up for him because of his elbow again. And so you have that safety back there to be able to, to you know, to go throughout the outfield of the, of the, to be able to be able to catch some of those things that are overthrows. And so I, I think that's what they are playing most of the time. But if you do run that, it does leave you wide open in the middle of the field down the seam. And we saw it a few times where guys were wide open there. And I think that's because they were playing a lot of man free. Yeah. It's it's also hard to get a good gauge on the running game out of a day like today because you you didn't have the ball enough. I mean, you, you really yeah. if you look at the drives, I mean, Nebraska did not have a possession in the second half. They have one possession where they ran uh the first drive of the second half was good to the fifty yard line. Right. And then and then it just sort of just falls apart for him. Right. Like they, they really yeah. did not possess the ball a lot in the second half of the game. Yeah. Three and out, three and out, three and out in a row after the drive to start. We, we talk a lot about winning the middle third and they had the opportunity to get the field goal into the first half. They get the ball. They drive all the way to the 50 based off of running the ball. They had two really good runs. I think it was like 16 and 18 yards or 15 and 17 yards. And then they tried to throw three straight times and they had to punt, as you mentioned, then three out, three, three, three outs. Right after that. And then they have the interception, which again, they were driving with the interception. Yeah, so that one was hurt. That, that, one was that, hurt. that, I think that right there is when the game, I thought, oh, the game's over when he threw that pick. Um, obviously, they got to an opportunity with the ball back down with three, but I thought at that point the game was over. Yeah. It, uh, well, and then they ended up having two more opportunities. Two more possessions. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's crazy. It was- Wild, but actually three. Is that, did I say that right? Three possessions. Yeah, that, that last play. Yeah, your fumble. Yep. Fumble. Yep. And yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I look at this 
uh, with Nebraska right now in terms of their their running game. I I felt like this was the case against Purdue. It certainly felt like it against Michigan State. It seems like they have to early in games have success side to side before they can start hitting some of those inside runs. And that's sort of what it seemed like in the first half where it felt like a lot of what they were able to do was either misdirect or get to the edges of the field. Um, You know, I'm thinking about how they set things up with that play where I think it it ends up being a toss back to Josh Fleeks coming around the Mm -hmm. edge, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Like I, I feel like they have to work so much or so much and work so hard to do window dressing because they can't just line it up and run it teams with this offensive line and these running backs. Yeah. And, and they are, Honestly, everything is led by Harburg. That's the, how they start their run game. So when you're starting your run game with the quarterback, we were talking about this with um, Adrian Martinez a, a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about how if you don't have a, a, a primary function of being a running back run game, then that already sets you back in terms of what you can do running the ball. And so the first option, obviously, is Harburg. After that, I, I really like what Emmett Johnson does at times. I wish they would give him full series. Like, yeah. I don't understand he why. He gets the plays at a time. Yeah. Is, is he getting winded? I mean, he's 18 years old. He, he can't be getting tired. And then even for Anthony Grant, Anthony Grant will have a couple of nice runs, and they pull him out as well. So I would like to see both of those guys, either one of them, get the opportunity to be able to get a lather up. That'd be great. But I'm with you. I don't – the idea of trying to get wide, I think, early on was because their corners – and, and I don't know if you know, they, they're very young. So they had injuries early on. So they got a, a true freshman out there, another young guy. And I think they thought they could run the corners. So you get wide, you force the corners to make tackles, and they thought they could be able to do stuff against that. Then Michigan State counters. Now you got a bit of run the inside, inside zone game. But the problem is, is that your inside zone game is based off of your quarterback keeping or giving. And again, another thing he doesn't do very well is decide when the, to give or keep. He, it's funny part about it is, is that he – he was supposed to keep it down by the goal line, um, and he gave it, and then they called the play a second time, and I guarantee they told him, give it, you know, because he, he doesn't seem to, to know when to give it and when, and when to keep it. So that was another issue he had uh, today in the game. And so that's why I think that's why their run game doesn't necessarily look smooth is because it's led by a quarterback having to make decisions on inside zone. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dive into more Heinrich Harburg and some big picture stuff as Nebraska has three games left and is now at five and three after a 2017 loss to Michigan State on Saturday. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's, uh, Michael, let's just jump right into the the quarterback discussion. Okay. They've already made a switch. You mentioned earlier 12 turnovers, we think, for, for Heinrich Harburg at this point. So 12 possessions there. 
Jeff Sims has eight turnovers in roughly eight quarters of play this year. So that's 20 possessions that your quarterbacks have just given away this season in nine games, which is a number that should just make everyone sort of sick uh, (laughs) when you you say it out loud. But and that doesn't even account your, you know, special teams turnovers, your running back fumbles, everything else. But that is uh, that is where Nebraska is at. A lot of angst on Twitter, certainly a lot of angst on the Husker 24-7 message board about what you're going to do at quarterback with these three games remaining. I sense a lot of fatigue with Harburg uh, at this point because, as people have witnessed, you have a very limited uh, ability of what you can sort of do, and teams have changed uh, their approach to him. And mm-hmm. I I really feel like I, – I don't know if, if anyone else feels the same way. I feel like we see this with young quarterbacks after they initially have a little bit of success – it's almost like they they go back to instead of just kind of playing free and loose and like I'm out here and what's the worst that's going to happen I'm able to go play. Now I feel like we can literally see Heinrich Harburg think through everything he's doing, and he does mm-hmm. not process fast enough to be able to do that. And it is resulting in weird in between type plays. It felt like multiple times on Saturday he didn't know if he should scramble, if he should try to keep the play alive behind the line of scrimmage, if he should throw the ball away. He is not getting to the decisions quick enough. It feels like he is in a bog. Like he is unable to just make those decisions in critical moments. And I I mean, I'm not advocating for them to make a switch, but I could understand if Nebraska looks at it this week as sort of an open competition with their quarterbacks and they go with the guy that they feel like had the best week of practice. I, I legitimately think... Any option could be on the table. I don't think that's what will happen, but I'm curious mm-hmm. how you would approach it. I think a couple of weeks ago, if you would have done that, and I know it's tough when a quarterback is winning, then it would have made more sense and maybe even would have worked. I just don't, after what happened last week, with Jeff Sims coming in for those couple of plays, going the wrong way on one of the plays, and then the fumble, it was returned for a touchdown. I don't know if there's any place to go. I don't think you go to Chubb of Purdy, but I don't I think don't. you can go to Jeff Sims. I think you're stuck. I think you're stuck with the. This is the choice you made probably after week six when Jeff Sims was legitimately, when Matt Rule started talking about Jeff Sims looked good in practice. I think that's when he was legitimately healthy. And if you didn't go back then, I don't think you can go back now. You just have to try to figure out a way to win these last three games. And they're all winnable, obviously. But you have to win these last three games with Heinrich Harburg and doing what he does best. And it really is running the. The triple in a unique way, obviously the triple now opposed to what it used to be is maybe a fullback, but more likely it's a running back and then it's the the quarterback or a pass. So that's how you're going to have to win it that way. Um, all of the turnovers, everything he does in the end, there's not another player on the field for them that makes that run that he made towards the end of the game that gets him down there to be able to get the touchdown. Somebody's got to make those plays and he can make those plays. And so I think you're stuck with him. I, 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 I'm right there constantly disgusted watching some of the throws he can't make. It drives me nuts. I feel, listen, I didn't do a whole lot playing backup quarterback at De La Salle High School in New Orleans. I was a backup and we ran a lot of run. We ran a lot of Notre Dame box stuff, which is a lot of option. But you know what I always thought I could do? I can throw a football, right? I'm a, I'm a grown man who could throw a football. And when I watch another grown man not be able to physically throw a football like you're supposed to, it makes me disgusted. And as a guy who played baseball, you know this. You have to be able to get that elbow in a position to be able to come over the top. And until he can do that, he's never going to be a Big Ten quarterback. With all that said, 
He's your only choice for the next three games and hopefully a fourth game. This is the guy that you're going to have to win with. So Satterfield's got to figure it out. Matt Rule's got to figure it out. And everybody else has got to pick him up. When he makes one good throw, catch the damn ball. When he hands the ball off or makes a pitch right, run the ball right. Everybody's going to do their job because you have a guy who can't do one part of his job very well. I think that's, I mean, that echoes sort of where I'm at with the two. I, I feel like we're headed to Nebraska's uh, spring is going to be spent discussing their transfer portal additions. And yeah. If those are uh, individuals that can come in and play right away. And I'm not, I'm not convinced that's what's going to happen either. I mean, I, I don't know how attractive Nebraska looks if you're a transfer portal quarterback and you're going to have a guy that just had nine starts. And if they do make a bowl game and he's a local kid. So it's a, well, uh, I think they're attractive. I think they're attractive. That, the, the amount of money they can say, say it's Michael Pratt. Say it's the kid from Tulane, who well, yeah, I guarantee well, you is, is not making much money now. He's going to make a bag if he came, comes here. I think they're attractive because of the money alone. I think they'll get somebody. I think. They have to actually hit on that, though. Like That's, that's one of those things where sure. we talk about Nebraska's ability to play in the deep end of the pool in the, the NIL yeah. space. And frankly, a lot of money has gone to a lot of role players. They have, yeah. like they haven't. You Trey Palmer's their one big star that they've gotten out of the portal, right? Yep, and I mean, because because Samori Torre wasn't a portal guy, right? He was just a, well, was a, tra- a regular guy, transfer. It wasn't like a collective. It wasn't like it is now, right? Yeah. No, I, 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 they've gotten guys who other people wanted, right? Other people wanted Elijah Judy, but they, they got him. He just hasn't played like we thought he would. Um, and, and of course, they've obviously missed them some big ones like that, the, the big offensive tackle they missed on last year. But with all that said. They've got to find a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback on the roster who can play for them next year in the Big Ten and consider themselves a contender in, in whatever that Big Ten is next year. So because of that, whatever you can do as a collective, you have to spend the money to go find a quarterback. Sorry, that's just what it is nowadays. It's a free agency game, and you have to go find that guy, whoever he is. And if it's a guy like Michael Pratt, that's great. If it's somebody from a, uh, a, a 1AA or FCS or, what, or whatever, you got to go find that guy. You know, you and I would both be on board with Michael Pratt. Oh, I would love to see Michael Pratt. Oh, that makes me so happy. That makes me so happy. I, I, I know the kid can play. That's another. That's another. Yeah, it, it doesn't look like he's going to go to the NFL because there's so many quarterbacks in this next draft that he's got to think to himself, "I've got to find something to do instead of coming out this year because of all the quarterbacks." And so maybe that's going to a place like Nebraska. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, you just don't want no, to go poorly. You get one injury, a bad year against better competition. I feel like you'd cost yourself more doing this. But Certainly a possibility. Way, I'm just throwing him out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, with the way the NILs work, it's not like he's not going to be handsomely paid for his services. So, I mean, exactly. Exactly. There is at least that. All right. Uh, moving on to the defense, kind of a bigger picture item here. What, with what happened today, Nebraska gave up 20 points, which is to me, that's still a number in which your offense in modern college football needs to be able to score 24 points a game, you know, 20 points. Fine. It did feel like Nebraska's defense was off from the very beginning today. And I don't know if I can zero in on what it exactly was, but it didn't feel like they were ever really threatening to force a turnover. It didn't feel like there was going to be, um, you know, just a gateway rush to the quarterback on every passing play. Um, and they finished the game only allowing two yards rushing uh, and, yep. and really bottled up. They they never allowed a long of nine yards. And yet it kind of felt like at times that Michigan State was winning the line of scrimmage, uh, at least early in the game. So I, I'm curious what you thought of the defensive performance. And do you have concerns 
or was anything sort of elevated to the level of concern for you for the next three games? No, and, and early on, I'm with you. Um, Carter's a very good running back. I went back, I, w- I watched four different Michigan State games leading up to this, and I said, oh, this is a guy that that's got to be the number one priority for the defense. I, I called it get Carter on my uh, on my tees because I'm like, you have to stop that guy. And they did exactly what he needed to do. They had a couple of quarterback runs that got away. But you, you're right. Zero big plays, which is 10 or more yards in the run game, is amazing to do that. To hold a team to, to 20 yards, especially when you – 20 points, especially when you turn the ball over as many times as Nebraska did, is incredible as well. The only concern I really have is and, – and they actually – got some of this in the fourth quarter. They weren't getting behind the line of scrimmage. They weren't making TFLs. They weren't getting sacks early on. It was it was the middle of the third quarter, I'm pretty sure, when they got their third TFL. So that that kind of concerned me because you've got to be able to spend, especially with a team like Michigan State that gave up a lot of TFLs, you've got to be able to get on the line of scrimmage. Um, going forward, no. I, I mean, next week, it's against a, a team that throws the ball a ton in Maryland. You're going to have to be able to deal with that um, on your edges. I think the corners have been playing pretty well. When you get beat, it's you and another guy, and he beats you. Like what happened with Newsom, that happens sometimes. I think overall, Nebraska secondary is going to be good enough to be able to battle with Maryland. And then you're coming down to Wisconsin and Iowa, where it's going to be a run defense game where you're going to have to win by getting fewer turnovers and fewer penalties and kicking more field goals. So I'm not concerned about the rest of the season with them. And I think going forward, if you want to find a strength, I think some of these young guys who are having a chance to play on the defensive line are going to be really good next year. So I actually feel pretty good about the defense overall, even coming out of a game where obviously they gave up more points than their offense scored. What's interesting about the touchdown that uh, Quentin Newsom allowed, and mm-hmm. to say nothing of whether it was a catch or not, because we as society in 2023 have no idea what is a yeah. catch and what isn't a catch, and we're just at the mercy of what the decision is. Right. It felt like if he did not stumble at the forefront of kind of the contact there, he could have mm-hmm. been in position to at least to deflect that pass or intercept it. And it's just like, was poorly timed for just, I, I don't know if you have watched that on a replay or not. There's this weird little stumble as he's running mid stride with the guy. And he just is a little behind the ball at that point. And it just felt like that is sort of the difference sometimes for Nebraska. Yeah. And it's just more often than not, especially in recent years, just kind of been on the wrong side of those inches. So I think uh, Nebraska I think- fans would say he didn't stumble. He actually got bumped by the wide receiver. Like the wide receiver dropped his shoulder and hip a little bit and bumped him. I think that's what they would say. The fans would. Yeah. I didn't think it was an OPI. I know. I, 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 that's what I've watched it a little bit on Twitter. People were saying maybe it was an OPI. I didn't think it was, but I agree with you. It's the slips and it's the inches that has cost Nebraska over the, the last, I don't know, eight years. Or even just early in the game, sticking with, with the secondary. And, you yeah. know, he, he had a great play on this, but it also felt like maybe later in his career that turns into a pick six. I, it really felt like Tommy Hill could have had a game breaker right off the yep. jump uh, with that, yeah. you know, out that was thrown inside and dangerous. So, uh, you know, if he catches that, he's gone. Like, that's a touchdown. Um, so yeah. those are, you know, those are the sort of things where my frustration with this pass defense is more often than not, they're just not close enough to even getting their hands on the ball. And then when they do, and it feels like they have easier interception opportunities, they tend not to come up with it. Like, it's just a very frustrating, I think, thing that has played out a lot this year. Um, but I, I also feel like Tommy Hill has gotten exponentially better from where he was definitely in September. Definitely. Um, I feel like Quentin Newsom is going to still be an NFL. Uh, he's going to have NFL opportunities, even though in uh, both the Illinois game and 
in this one, he gave up a touchdown. I mean, that happens, especially if you're putting man coverage, there's nobody over the top, and the guy made a nice throw. I mean, one of the one of the things that came out of today for me was Michigan State's quarterbacks played significantly better, or at least really Hauser played significantly yeah. better than I thought he was going to. I mean, he made some nice throws. Michigan State made catches. They had one drop that I could think of, uh, but they they did the simple things. They took exactly what Nebraska was giving them, and they turned it into 20 points. And, you know, I they were the better team throughout. If Nebraska had been able to steal that game, you commend them for doing it, but you'd still have a lot of these same conversations uh, had they been able to do that. I thought Michigan State was the better team from the start of the game all the way through the end yeah. of the game. <laughs> I didn't think that he'd even play this week. After the after watching the Minnesota game and the way it ended, I thought he was going to get benched and they were going to go with the freshman. I was surprised that he even started. He Talking about what you're talking about, they had six big plays for 170-some yards. Each one of those were part of scoring drives. There were three. There were two times in the game where the Michigan State quarterback completed four or more passes in a row. Obviously, Nebraska didn't do that all day with Heinrich Heiberg. So, yeah, they played much better. May I don't I have to go back and look. I, no, actually, well, there was a point where this season, yep, where he had like six or seven row in a row. But anyway, I I look at I look at this team and I look at what Nebraska does in pass defense, and I think they're going to be so much better with the young guys, Cam Leonard, Lamart, and and when Prince Wells healthy, getting to it that it's going to really take a lot of pressure off of the secondary. If you look at today, Michigan State's quarterbacks had more time than. I think anybody over the last three or four games. So let's them. They really they didn't. didn't put pressure. They didn't. I didn't understand yeah. that. They, I, I don't know. I feel like when you're playing a younger quarterback like that, to me, it yeah. makes sense to just put the pressure on him to make plays. You get beat, you get beat. But I'd rather yeah. get beat that way than let him sit there for five seconds. The thing is, Nebraska this season, at least earlier on, they were getting pressure with just four, sometimes a fifth. So it wasn't plus pressure. It was the average amount five against five. But you're right. When you're not getting it early on, you probably need to start bringing guys, especially with that A-guy blitz, because because um, Reimer is so good at it. Bullock's so good at it. You, you could you could certainly use that today. Michigan State, sometimes you have to say this, though, um, Mike, and I, I know that a lot of people don't want to hear this, but they were at home. It's their final home game. There's, these seniors were playing their final game in that stadium, and they hadn't won a game in seven in six tries. Sometimes you just come out and you want it more than the other team. And I'm not saying that Nebraska didn't want it, but those guys were fired up to try to win this game. And they came in like that at 11 o'clock in the morning on a gloomy kind of day. They had every reason to play as hard as they possibly can. And I don't know if Nebraska did the same. You know what I mean? It felt to me. And again, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying this is what yeah. it felt like. This is what it looked like. Right. It felt like Nebraska showed up and Michigan State showed up to play. Like those are the that was the difference for me. Sure. I mean, gotcha. It's also telling they they went out of their way to get Alante Brown more involved in this game because it was emotional for him and that was uplifting yeah. for their team. I mean, the 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 pass play alone was a huge lift for that group. Like they just it it felt like they were gonna go kitchen sink and they were still throwing. Yeah, you know, it was hilarious listening to Tim Brando and and his uh cohort trying to figure out what Michigan State is doing, throwing late in that game. <laughs> I mean, a yeah. lot of it has to do with they were averaging two yards a rush. They right. weren't getting anywhere with it. And yeah, they, they wanted to kill the, the clock, though. They want them to not stop stop stopping the clock is what they were trying to do, I'm assuming, because there were those two incompletes where you're like, you can burn another 30 or 40 seconds off the clock. Why are you throwing? But, yeah, you're right. They couldn't run the ball, so it makes sense. Yeah. To me, it just felt like they were trying to kill the game through the air 
uh, because they felt like that was their best chance of success. And I honestly, I, it would be hard to really fault him for it either. All right, Michael, anything else that you would like to throw out there here after that contest? Um, I, I don't know if it would make a difference or not, but I thought last week the offensive line, despite all of the injuries and the changes and everything, played really well with their first time together. I thought Prohaska played really well. I thought Evan Jenkins played very well. I thought everybody played well. This week it was a different story, and maybe it was a second week kind of thing where that first week you're so excited to be the starter. You're out there. You're completely focused in. And then you have another week where people maybe can scout you a little bit. But I thought the offensive line just didn't look as good as it did last week. I'm not, I'm not talking about the opponent because maybe that's a different thing. But I just thought the offensive line overall in their second week together with this makeshift offensive line just didn't look as good. And that led part of it to the seven sacks. That led part of it to struggling and running the ball a little bit. Um, not putting all the blame on them, but they just discernibly didn't look as good as they did the week before. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot. Nebraska, Maryland, you're a week out right now. The Peacock special. What uh, What are your thoughts? I mean, I this was a game that had always sort of concerned me because I felt like Maryland had sort of explosive playmakers. Nebraska has not played a lot of this year. I mean, one of the yeah. things that they have been benefiting from with their schedule, they have not faced a lot of dynamic athletes. And I think Maryland has some of those guys on the outside. I like Talia Tagovailoa. He does turn the ball over a little too much, but he can make plays. I, this one worried me a lot more than Michigan State does. And I wonder what the attitude is coming off of that game. I Here's the thing I think about Maryland. And by the way, in that game, Maryland played against Penn State today or yesterday. Uh, at one point, uh, Tolua Tungavailoa had 16 straight passes, by the way, in the game. Um, but they were going to be beat up coming off of Penn State. Anytime they play Penn State, it is a really, a truly a hate game. Uh, James Franklin, of course, was a coach of waiting at one point in Maryland. So he really hates Maryland. He doesn't get along. Maryland doesn't get along with him. And so they are going to do everything they can to beat the hell out of Maryland. And so I, be- I believe because of that, you're going to get a pretty beat up team. Um, I would probably make Maryland, even though at Nebraska, probably a three to four point favorite based off of the numbers and FPI and power ratings, I'd probably make it three and a half, four point favorite. But I, I truly believe Nebraska getting back home, being able to scout themselves what they did this week, it's going to be another one of those games that gets to the fourth quarter. And it's going to come down to whether or not the ball gets turned over by Nebraska. I think that's the key. I don't, I don't see anybody winning the game by 10. This is going to be another close game that goes on in the fourth quarter. All right, Michael. Hey, we appreciate you here on the Sunday side session as we recap Nebraska's lost to East Lansing. Everyone be sure to check out everything we got going on at Husker 24-7. Of course, plenty of coverage from the game, plenty of coverage for the week ahead. Uh, we have the high school playoffs. They're now into the semifinals. You got several Nebraska commits that are uh, playing for state titles or the opportunity to go to the state title game. And, of course, there's plenty of recruiting going on, another visit weekend ahead. All of that and more can be found at Husker247.com. For Michael Severe, I'm Mike Shaver. We will catch you next time here on the Sunday Side Session.